Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Frank Smith about the pandemic funk and cultural considerations when going back to the office. Frank Smith, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thanks. Great to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have a nice conversation with you today. Uh, You bring a lot of expertise in the area of organizational culture. So we're going to be focusing our conversation today on the cultural considerations when going back to work, given we've just lived through this year, uh, year plus really, 14, 15 months even, uh, in this pandemic environment, and most people are in a pandemic funk. How do we get out of that funk? How do we return, you know, things to as normal as possible, recognizing that, of course, things have shifted and are probably never going back uh, exactly the way they were in the past. So we'll be exploring those issues together today. As we get started, I wanted to share Frank's bio with everybody. Frank Smith started his career with a degree in accounting after having a few corporate jobs, realized he was designed to lead and enjoy the lack of structure in the entrepreneurial world. When the owner of a small manufacturing company that Frank worked at passed away suddenly, Frank had the opportunity to buy the company along with the management team. Since 1994, Frank has owned and led five different businesses with his overlying passion of being around creating a workplace people want to work at. When the dots got connected, that running a business by biblical principles was not only good for business, but even better for the companies, Frank had found the secret to great business culture. Today, Frank runs Mosaic Personnel, which not only helps connect people to jobs that are more fulfilling, but also trains and coaches leaders and companies to create those cultures where people want to come to work. Frank is married to Heidi. They have three children uh, that are all out of college. Frank enjoys car racing, golf, and traveling when he isn't working. Uh, what a wonderful background. Super interesting. I'm excited to have a conversation about all of this with you. Before we launch in, anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of background or personal context? Oh, just I can really nerd out on business stuff. You know, if uh, I have control of the remote control at the house, we're typically watching Shark Tank or uh, Marcus Lemonis on The Prophet or some sort of show like that. Most guys would grab it and switch to a sports channel, uh, which if there's car racing on, there's a pretty good chance I'll jump over to that. But uh, I, I really just am passionate about business, all the ups and downs and craziness that go along with it, I, I think is a fun roller coaster ride. Uh, sometimes you'd like to get off and at least take a break for a little while. Uh, but for the most part, I find it all fascinating and really fulfilling uh, place to work. So wonderful. And, and one point of connection as I was, you know, reading through your bio in preparation for today, uh, is that you have a background in accounting. And listeners know, I've talked about it before, I I was one of those super undergrad students who 
changed majors a whole bunch of times. And, and one of my iterations uh, before graduating in something different with like 170 credits is I was an accounting major. Um, and ultimately I decided that wasn't for me, but, um, but I, I, I resonate with you in terms of having, you know, uh, that be at least a draw for a time in our lives and then moving on to something else. Um, I think it gives you a great base for how business works. Uh, and that's what I've appreciated about having yeah. that degree. Uh, but I don't want to do your taxes. You don't want <laughs> me to do your taxes. Uh, I don't want to keep your books. You know, that I did that early in my career and realized that's not the part of business I really like. It's more the leadership uh, and vision casting and, and all that that's much more interesting part of business to me than uh, what the financials look like, although they are super important. Yeah, and I agree. That's exactly how I feel. So wonderful. All right, so let's let's dive on in um, and talk first a little bit about this pandemic funk. You know, we've been in this now since March 2020, uh, at least here in the U.S., uh, some other places around the world um, a little bit sooner. Uh, so so we're well into this. It's been a, a challenging time for sure. And I think people are wary and people are tired. I was just at a, a work breakfast um, earlier today uh, where we were talking just about the, the fatigue factor related to everything around the pandemic this past year. And you couple with that, you know, now people have to be able to, to pivot again as more people are vaccinated and it's safe to return to a physical workplace. They have to make all these decisions about you know, are we are we going to come back completely um, in a physical workplace? Are we going to remain virtual? Are we going to do a hybrid approach? If so, what's that look like? Uh, and, the, and then all the cultural components that go with each of those decisions, it can be a little bit overwhelming to people. Uh, and unlike last year when the pandemic hit and we really had no choice, we had to pivot on a dime. Otherwise, we're going out of business. You know, now that that kind of urgency probably isn't there yet. The, the challenges certainly are, and the implications of these decisions, you know, are, are definitely important. Uh, so let's, let's talk a little bit about that, that uh, pandemic fatigue and the funk that people find themselves in, and we can get more into shifting work arrangements and culture. Yeah. So, you know, as you mentioned already, you know, everybody's experiencing it. And I think that's one of the keys is that we just need to call it what it is and name it and realize we're all going through it. We, we all have that sense of, gosh, I'm tired. Uh, I, nothing's exciting me right now. Uh, and it's because of what we've been through over the last, you know, 14 months uh, at, at this point where we couldn't really vision the future. We couldn't see where we're going. Nothing, nothing was sparking our imagination. And that's what drives us as human beings is having that imagination sparked. It's, we've been in survival mode for 14 months, just trying to make sure we don't get sick or you know, kind of wherever you're at on that spectrum. Uh, it, it's been all consuming. You can't go do the stuff you wanna go do because places are closed and all that. And so life has just felt so uh, unusual that we've lost that spark. We've lost the ability to connect with something that's inspiring to us. Uh, and so that's what I'm, as I work with clients, I'm trying to get leaders to reignite their people, you know, reconnect them to the vision of your organization as you're coming back to the office or not coming back to the office. And we can get into that conversation later. 
you've got to be igniting them in some sort of a passion uh, to help get people out of the funk, to help them see something that you're providing hope to them is what you're doing is, hey, we can get back on track. We've pushed the pause button for 14 months now. It may still have to be on for another you know, three or four months, depending on what things look like in your part of the country as they roll back open. Uh, but you know, I've got to start connecting you to some sort of hope or inspiration that says we can get you back on track and you can still have the life you thought you were going to have 18 months ago uh, before any of us had ever heard of what a coronavirus even was. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I really like uh, the focus on reigniting passion, reconnecting people to what's meaningful and fulfilling to them, uh, because so many of us have been on survival mode for so long. Uh, survival mode from a health standpoint, um, but you know, from you know, a, a social interaction standpoint, mm -hmm. from a career standpoint, an organizational standpoint. How do we just keep the doors open, making payroll? How do we, you know, just do at least what needs to happen um, so that we we don't go under? And I've worked with lots of organizations over this past year that that really has been their focus. Whereas prior to that, they're they're constantly you know, thinking about how to, you know, what's the market doing and how are we pivoting and what's our strategic goals and the, the creative juices that get flowing within people as they're constantly having those conversations, as opposed to more doom and gloom day in, day out, uh, that just wears on you psychologically. Yeah. I mean, when you think back of where we were a year ago at this time, you know, you're tuning in to world news tonight to see what the new death count is. I mean, how morbid is that? I mean, you know, we went from just, you know, not even watching the nightly news to, you know, how many people died today? What in the world's going on? I mean, how are we up to 200,000 people? And obviously now we're, you know, soared well past the half a million uh, mark. Uh, or it's just crazy what we've been through and what we've had to kind of suppress is all of those things that drive us and keep us excited, even family vacations. I mean, if you're looking forward to taking your kids to Disney, I mean, I know multiple people that had those trips canceled this past year. And those are the things that spark and, and get you excited about life. And we haven't known until recently, even when some of those might be a possibility again. And so uh, we've just got to turn this wave uh, over to people to help them start to see what's possible now uh, in a world where things weren't possible, you know, six months ago, even. Yeah. Yeah. I love that focus on possibility. Um, so let's, let's talk now a little bit about the shifting work arrangements. Now, yeah. again, everyone had to pivot on a dime. Obviously there, there have been some people that have continued to work in person, but so many people uh, have moved to virtual work over the past year. Uh, and a lot of people have really grown to enjoy it. They like the flexibility, um, the autonomy, uh, they'd like not having to commute. Um, and so there are certainly benefits, but there's also been downsides to it. And, and so companies are wrestling with that right now. They're trying to figure out what are we going to do now? Some big tech firms, for example, have announced they're going to continue with virtual work uh, indefinitely even. Uh, others are saying we want to do more of a hybrid arrangement. Ultimately, there's pros and cons to all of these options. Um, so what are you seeing, at, you know, from your, um, your standpoint as you're working with organizations and particularly from a culture lens about what 
organizations, what questions they should be asking themselves as they're trying to figure out how they want to handle this, this shift and kind of a return back at least a little bit to the way things were before. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership, Ordinary Everyday Actions That Produce Extraordinary Results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. So I'll tie it in with our first conversation about the pandemic funk uh, that we're all experiencing. Uh, As leaders, talk to your people about that pandemic funk. Get, you know, acknowledge it and uh, make sure that you're listening to them and uh, trying to help understand and make sure that, you know, where are they at in this, you know, what's their funk level, if you will. Uh, And that's kind of where it starts. And then as you start to talk about, hey, you know, we'd like to have people come back to the office and start to work, uh, you'll see some panic raise in in certain people uh, due to maybe they live with a family member that still has high risk uh, categories, even with vaccine, people are still concerned about it. Yeah, we've come back to the office now twice, once last summer uh, when the numbers kind of seemed to be okay in Oklahoma here. And we came back to the office. And then when we got to the holidays, we sent everybody back home. And we've just recently come back to the office again. People were more uncomfortable coming back to the office over the last few weeks than they were a year ago when we came back to the office, which was really interesting to me. Uh, but it, it layers in with the funk that everybody's in and just scared uh, still and not sure and don't want to go back to the office and then have to get sent home again because that was kind of hard to make that bounce around. Uh, so listening to people is, is the number one thing that a leader can be doing during this time and trying to judge where they're at and bring them back if you're bringing people back uh, at a pace that's comfortable to them and let them feel heard and individualize it. I don't feel like just setting a blanket statement that says everybody's back in the office on May 15th. Uh, and if you're not, you don't have a job, which I've seen companies take that approach. Uh, so, but the more individualized you can make it as people come back to the office, I think the better. Uh, the interesting thing I've seen on LinkedIn and different places lately is a lot of conversations about how terrible leaders are because they're asking people to come back to the office now and they should just let me work remote if I wanna work remote. I understand that thought and there needs to be a lot of conversation around that, but who's changed here really? You know, when you took that job originally, you had agreed to come to the office and work out of the office. And if you don't wanna work out of the office anymore, 
that's understandable. And for a variety of reasons that you mentioned, the commute, the family flexibility and all that, but you're the one that's changed. It's not necessarily your boss that's the problem here. Uh, he has the right to kind of create the business culture that he wants to. And if in office is a part of that strategy, uh, that's going to be what he told you originally when you went to work there. And now just because the pandemics happened doesn't mean that he has to shift. So I, I always kind of temper the, the conversation around, uh, you know, what's actually moved here is probably the people wanting to work from home uh, when that wasn't an option 14, 15 months ago. Uh, I think leaders who are listening actually will engage in those conversations and find some form of hybrid or flexible model where people can work from home some, uh, but want to come back to the office. Uh, I think that's an interesting dynamic. I also think the dynamic that has to be looked at here is when you look at the studies, about 60% of people will self-identify as not being engaged employees. And I honestly think that a lot of companies that have poor cultures are where a lot of people don't want to go back. You know, why, if I have a boss that's a jerk and that treats me disrespectfully, I've been able to hide at home for the last 14 months and haven't gotten abused by my boss for that period of time. Why would I want to go back to work there? And so I think, you know, a little bit of what we're seeing in a lot of the companies that I work with that have a really strong, positive culture people aren't minding going back to work for those companies as much uh, as companies where, man, it's been nice working at home. I can just get my job done. I don't have to deal with all the politics or all the crap that's going on at the office. And people then are not willing to go back uh, into the office. And so I think we're seeing, you know, the companies with strong culture are having a less difficult time bringing people back for the most part. There's always, you know, some issues and you, know, you can't, make a blanket statement like that across the board for everything. But I think it really tells you a lot about the company culture. If people are just like, I'm not going back, I'm going to quit my job if they make me come back. That probably tells you that they weren't really that happy in the job to begin with. You, you, you get just kind of in, you start going through the motions when you're in a toxic work environment or in an unhealthy place, or you have coworkers or a boss that you can't stand but that's all you've ever known and, and you've just dealt with it and you've learned how to deal with it. Um, that's one thing, but then you get like a 14 month reprieve <laughs> from that yeah. kind of an environment. And then you're realizing, well, wait a minute, there are all these things that made that unhealthy and, and I'm, I'm more productive now. I, I don't have, like you said, I don't have to deal with the pot, the politics. I don't have to deal with um, just all these dumb little things that waste so much time. I can just do my job. I can do it well. And so I get it. I get why people uh, would want to remain uh, in a virtual environment um, when that's kind of their, their condition. And so I, I definitely think there's something to what you're saying about the employee engagement factor. Uh, and we do know that the, the vast majority of people are actively disengaged in their work. So organizations before the pandemic even had to wrestle with that. How do we, oh, yeah. how do we um, invest in our people? How do we empower them? How do we engage them in a way that they can bring value to the organization and to the market? And it's only become harder now during the pandemic because you don't have the FaceTime and, and people have Zoom fatigue. And it's not the same when you check in with someone over a video call than if you, you know, stop by their office and, and have a chat. Uh, right. There's just something different about it. And so, so we do have to wrestle with those pros and cons. We do have to definitely be asking ourselves about 
how we um, show our, our trust, how, how, we, how we give over power and trust in our people, how we support them and invest in them, how we communicate that to them. These are the types of things we have to continue to ask ourselves and then really ask what jobs or what parts of what jobs really require someone to be in person. Um, and you know, if someone is customer facing and they actually have to be there in person, obviously those are people you bring back. Um, but a lot of people we found over the course of this last year, they don't need to be in the physical office as much, at least as they were in the past. Uh, and so I love the idea of a more flexible approach with a hybrid and, um, kind of, a, uh, environment so that you can tailor the work arrangements to teams and to individuals, perhaps even within those teams around the accommodations that they need um, and to a certain extent that they want. Uh, and then ultimately, then as leaders, we have to figure out how are we going to, if we have people working remotely, or if we have some people in face-to-face -face while others are remote, how do we manage that dynamic? And how do we make sure that we, we uh, establish, maintain, and sustain the type of healthy culture that we want within our team. Yeah, I, I think it's one of those trying to find the balance, listening to people, trying to understand. But I think the biggest thing that people don't sometimes realize is, yes, you can do the work from home, but the work is not the culture. And if you're wanting to work at a place that has a good culture, as a team member, you have to help create that culture as well. And in-person relationships are what we're designed for. Uh, you know, if I took anybody and said, hey, we're going to take your family and we're going to split them all up, but you can have access to Zoom or email and you can keep in touch with your spouse or your kids via that way, we think that's just as good as the family unit that you have going now. People would say, well, that's stupid. I want to be with my kids. I want to be with my spouse. Work is the same way. People, for some reason, think relationships work differently when you step into the office building. They don't. I need to see you. I need to be interacting with you. And Zoom is great when you have to use it, uh, but it's not the same as in-person interaction. And the Zoom fatigue, uh, I feel bad for Zoom because they got tagged in with this. It's not Zoom related. It's the fact that I'm trying to connect with you over a video call. That's what's exhausting. It doesn't matter whether it's just Zoom or FaceTime or whatever. Uh, I'm not getting your body language. I'm not understanding you as well over this Zoom call as I do in person. And there's no way to avoid that. And so your, your senses are heightened. You're on higher alert. Your brain is working harder when you're on a Zoom or FaceTime call or anything or a telephone as well. I do some executive coaching and I've had clients that we had to do it over the telephone uh, because of their safety or, or uh, IT concerns with opening up a Zoom interaction. And it's much more exhausting for me to be a coach over a telephone than it is in person uh, because I'm having to listen for voice inflections. And whereas in person, I can see what your body is doing. I can tell that you're turning red when we talk about this. And even on Zoom, some of those things are hard. And so, so much of communication is better experienced in person uh, that you know, we, we got to think about those things. And if it's not good for your family, it's not good for the office interaction as well. And you're not going to have a stronger culture uh, if you're trying to do it all via Zoom. There's just no way you can convince me of that. Yeah, well, that's that's a really interesting perspective to, to reframe it from the family 
uh, dynamic or even just good friends, right? That you, yeah. that you socialize with. Well, Frank, it has been a real pleasure. The time flew by uh, yeah. and we really just scratched Crazy. the surface. Um, perhaps I can have you back on. We can continue the conversation. But uh, before we close today, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find more about your business, and then give us the final word on the topic for today. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. The easiest way to get a hold of me is on LinkedIn. Uh, you can track me down at Frank Smith. Uh, you'll see a video series that I put out on a pretty much weekly basis and some LinkedIn live programs that I do called Shifting Culture. Uh, my video series is called Driving Happiness at Work. I kind of mix my car racing love uh, with my business uh, culture love and, and put that together. Uh, you can email me at fsmith at mosaicpersonnel.com. Uh, that's F smith at mosaicpersonnel.com uh, check us out on our website mosaicpersonnel.com or my driving happiness at work videos are all loaded on a website called driving happiness at work.com so pretty simple uh, website names for what we're doing uh, but love to have conversations with people about business culture and uh, do executive coaching i do training and we do have a full-blown recruiting firm as well so uh, always looking for ways that we can help our clients not only find good people, uh, but also uh, develop those people once they have them on their team. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you, Frank. It has been a real pleasure. Uh, you've given me uh, several things to really noodle on and to, to think seriously about as I consider these issues. I hope it's been uh, helpful to listeners. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected to Frank, find out more about what he and his business can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you have a great week. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.